Can learning transform your life? This is Impact Learning with Maria Zinedou, a podcast where you will hear personal stories about how we learn, work, and live in the connection economy. Together with her guests, she will teach you to design your learning journey and create the life you want. On today's episode... The majority of homeschoolers that we've known have all tested out well above their grade level. That's really common. And when you think on it, it makes sense because the kids are getting such individualized education that they can just move on ahead and you know advance at their own pace, which is quicker than waiting for 15 or 20 kids in a class. Hey everyone, it's Maria and you are listening to Impact Learning. How are you today? Are you concerned, overwhelmed, afraid, or perhaps upset and tired? Whatever feelings you may be having, you are not alone. When we feel overwhelmed, we take a few deep breaths and try to remind ourselves that this too shall pass. We try to stay healthy and sleep well so that we can take care of each other and support our families and loved ones. Closing our schools was not a simple decision because of all the implications on the lives of students, educators and their families. But we all know that social distancing is one of the most effective measures we must take immediately to slow down the spread of COVID-19. We can't flatten the curve and we will if we all do our part. During a week that our children in most countries are staying home, I'm sharing again my discussion with Sharon Hancock, who has been a homeschool teacher and parent for over 15 years. Now we know that most of the students will get guidance and support from their teachers who are starting to use digital learning and teaching tools to continue to provide education to them. However, I hope that my discussion with Sharon will offer parents and educators useful insights to help you guide your children to navigate their new reality. There are several aspects to consider. Being a student at home can create several positive outcomes, like building self-directed learning skills or practicing creativity in ways that might not have been possible in a classroom. At the same time, children will miss the physical interaction with each other, and some of them may need personalized support and guidance, not only with their education, but also with their overall mental, emotional and psychological health. During this interview, you will hear Sharon discuss the principles of homeschooling that are not about the academics and the books. It is the intangibles that influence and mold the children. The experiences that enable them to grow, mature, dream big, overcome fears and obstacles, and explore their interests more broadly. While for most of them, their education will continue to be in the hands of their teachers, I hope that all of you who are listening, parents, educators, or both, You will consider learning from Sharon how to support your children and design a more flexible and personalized learning journey for them while they are at home. 
stay connected, stay calm, and be healthy. Let's dive right in. Hey, Serun. Welcome to Impact Learning. Hey, thanks, Maria. It's great to be here. So before we get into the topic that uh, you and I want to talk today, which is homeschooling, I want to ask if you have a favorite uh, learning experience that you learned something uh, on your own as a child, if there is a story you can share with us. Well, I don't have one from my personal past, but I have one from my daughter's. Um, when she was three years old, I used to drive around the town doing errands and she'd get bored sitting in the back seat. So to entertain herself, she would start counting. And as a three-year-old, she'd count up to 300. Well, I came to find out that that wasn't normal for a three-year-old because a lot of five and six-year-olds couldn't count past 10 or 20. So uh, my husband and I saw that she was a little bit advanced for her age. And uh, it was this was one example of things that we saw in her life that showed she would catch on to things quickly and absorb it and be able to move on to the next thing. So in our uh, the area we lived in at that time, there were a lot of homeschoolers. And we wound up talking to some of the families who had successful successfully homeschooled their kids through high school, and then they were successful in college and beyond. And we asked them, how it worked and what happened with it, uh, what went into it, and decided to try this for our daughter. We thought it might be a good option. So about a year and a half later, when she was four and a half, we went ahead and started homeschooling. And she took right to it, and it, it worked great. It worked beautifully. Okay, that's a very interesting story. It was good that you had uh, people around you that they were already homeschooling their kids. Did you talk to them? How did you find out how to start? Um, well, there was a large homeschool co-op that met in the city that we lived in. They had 700 families. So we're talking thousands of homeschool kids that all met in one large uh, building for classes. So I went ahead and enrolled my daughter and went to a weekly mom support club or mom support group where there were parents who had been homeschooling for 20 years. And I could ask him all kinds of questions. And I listened into all the discussions they had each week. Um, some of the weeks, the parents would bring in uh, boatloads of curriculum, different books that they liked. And I took notes because my daughter was so young, we were just going to start kindergarten. And I figured if I knew what they were using for the older grades, then once she got there, I could go back and, you know, use some of the books that they had that were popular. How long were you learning from, from other parents before you started homeschooling your daughter? And I'm asking this question because I want to know, like, did you start right away with what you could find? Or did you have to do a little bit of your homework to prepare before you started homeschooling your daughter? We started pretty much right away. We asked a lot of families what they did and then researched, went to stores and looked at curriculum online these days for curriculum as well and see what's out there and just see what would best fit you. So after just a little while, maybe a month or a couple months of talking to different parents, we found what we wanted to start with and went ahead and started. Mm -hmm. How many years ago are we talking about, Sharon? Oh, 15. 
Okay, 15 years ago. Okay, interesting. And what area is that the one that you were, that you said that there were already a lot of uh, families that they were homeschooling their kids? We were in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I see. Thank you. Okay, so what did you pick up or what did you choose as the first, I guess, resource to start homeschooling your daughter? I picked a workbook called Phonics Pathways, and it teaches reading from the very beginning of knowing what sounds letters make and then blending the letters into small words and then longer words until you're actually reading sentences. And the book went for like beginner readers in kindergarten up through about fifth grade readers. But the book wasn't sectioned into grades. So you just went along at your child's pace, learning the different words. Um, that was the reading. The other section that we did was Singapore math. For the kindergarten and first grade, there are two workbooks for the kids, and they're full of color and life, lots of pictures. Every page looks different. So it was really inviting to a young child to be able to explore all these different pages. And the math was so simple, I didn't need to buy the teacher's books to go with it. It's pretty self-explanatory to teach a child the math that you just follow the pages. So that, that's what we did initially. Mm -hmm. And your daughter was four and a half years old, right? Right. Mm -hmm. How did she respond to learning all these new things that you wanted her to learn? Oh, she thought it was a lot of fun. And actually, when she was in kindergarten, her actual desk time was maybe about 20 minutes a day, about 10 minutes or so of learning reading and another 10 minutes, um, sometimes 15 of math. I think what parents might not realize is they're already teaching their kids in so many ways. And uh, different states have different laws regarding homeschooling, the amount of hours that you have to put into it. But um, a, a wise friend of mine who was homeschooling her six kids at home told me that so many things can be um, counted as homeschool hours. Like if the kids chores, that's home economics. Um, they can help you bake in the kitchen. They can learn about their community and neighborhood. They could do all kinds of activities, you know, play on the drums if they're, you know, sing along and anything that they do can be considered homeschool hours because they're learning life skills. So mm -hmm. she didn't have to spend as a kindergartner four or six hours sitting at a desk. It was literally 20 minutes. So one of the things that I, I loved about school was um, that I was, uh, you know, among many other uh, kids and that we could also play together. And I like the idea that I was, of course, spending many hours at school, but I was also among other people like my age and we were playing in, in you know in the during the intermission but also after like we we're doing homework we were also playing in the neighborhood back in the days so what about like so did you also like plan that this kind of like what i call interaction with other kids or play time well sure she would play with the kids in the neighborhood Um, if there were kids that we knew who weren't in her neighborhood, our neighborhood, then I'd often just call up the moms and say, hey, can we have a play date? And we'd go over there to their house or they'd come to our house. You know, we'd meet at a park or go do whatever activities we wanted. She was part of sports, um, different teams or classes. So she got to know, um, be around kids her age all the time. 
Beautiful. Okay. You talked about what, how you started teaching her certain things uh, when she was basically four and a half years old. How did you evolve uh, what you were teaching her? How did you start building on that based on her age and what she was learning? Well, in kindergarten, mainly what I wanted to focus on was the reading and math, because I realized a long time ago, if you can read really well and you can do at least basic math, then you're going to get along in life, no matter what you decide to do as a career. So that's what I wanted to focus on is building blocks and lay a good foundation for her. When she went into first grade the next year, I added in uh, science and history and some writing, learn a little bit more writing lessons and spelling. I think that's all. So Mm -hmm. the days were still easy and fun. They just turned a little longer. So maybe they turned into about closer to two and a half, three hours of um, some desk time instead of just the 20 minutes. So how did you know? And maybe that's a simple question, but how did you follow her learning? How did you know that she was learning what you were teaching her? Well, because at the end of each chapter, I could give a simple test and I could see through the test that she had learned the material that I was teaching her. So now if we take a step back, if we compare the homeschooling experience for your daughter compared to like a regular first grade, uh, second grade learning at school, what are the main differences and what are the benefits she gained from homeschooling? Well, the beauty of homeschooling is the uh, flexibility of it. What I love about it is if your child gets something, you move on to the next lesson. You don't have to do uh, 20 problems if you, you get it. You can move on and learn the next things and the next and the next. Or if a child is stuck on something and doesn't really understand, you can take longer with them. So it's all geared towards their own personal learning pace. And every kid is different. Every kid has things that'll um, just click and things that would slow them down. So you can go at their pace and they don't have to wait for a classroom full of 15 kids to get it. Especially if they're catching on quickly, they're going to be bored if they have to wait for everyone else to catch up. Yeah, you just described me because I love school. I love going to school. I think I loved also interacting with other kids. But like a lot of the tests, a lot of the homework, probably 80% or more, it was not boring, but I, I don't think I was learning much as I was doing this kind of homework. But I, I was, I guess, happy that I could finish it quickly so then I could go out and play. Yeah. But I, yeah, but I had to slow down. There were 30 plus kids, uh, you know, at, uh, in every classroom. And I basically, I had to do it quickly and then be quiet so everybody else would finish, right. which is frustrating. When my husband was in a public high school, he found that he'd get through some of the assignments as well. And he'd want to know more about um, some of the details there. And he he wanted to go exploring that and find out more of what interested him the most, but he wasn't able to. And so when we found out that homeschooling was an option, he really wanted that for our daughter so that when she saw something she was interested in, she could go off on a tangent and explore that for a while. 
So give me an example of this. What is one thing that uh, you noticed that your daughter was interested and then you, let's say, personalize and customize what she could learn? Mm. I'm not thinking, uh, I nothing comes to mind right away with my daughter, but I know with my son, um, he was really interested in a YouTube video that he found where the person made a vacuum chamber and tested different col- things, colloids. Yeah. And he got so excited about it. So we helped him out. We went around and found the things he needed. Like he, we got a, an old dehumidifier and we actually went to our auto mechanic who helped him solder some of the pipes and the, the metal parts in there. And he made his own vacuum chamber from that. He got some tubing and stuff and a, a big glass vase and made his own. And he could collapse water bottles and blow up mushroom or marshmallows. And uh, he wound up doing it for a science fair experiment with a homeschool co-op that he's in. But we were able to, because we homeschool, we were able to spend the time that he wanted for science classes doing that. And I love also that he found that. Like he found the YouTube video, he was interested. And then, of course, you you followed up. You took actions to provide what he needed. But I like that it was like what I call self-directed learning. He was interested in learning something. And basically, you provided the resources so he could learn it. And also, he could build it. Because there is learning by doing and learning by just watching someone else doing it. Okay, beautiful. I love that. How old was your son when he had this experience? Um... I want to say 11 and 12. Very nice. I want to talk a little bit more about the flexibility in terms of uh, learning style. Some of us like to read. Some of us like to discuss with others. How much of that kind of flexibility does homeschooling um, allow or enable? It allows all the flexibility for that. When you see if your child has a strength or a um, leans toward one learning style over the others, then you can accommodate that. Like my son, he tends to be more of an auditory learner. So we talk a lot and we discuss the the lessons out loud. And he doesn't feel like he really has to read and read and read uh, a chapter over and over again to catch on to it. He'll more talk about it and catch it. I know some kids um, are just wiggle worms. They're more kinesthetic learners. So they need to be moving and moving, you know, to be able to absorb things. And if you make them stop, then everything freezes, you know, because they're like focused on not moving. So um, with my daughter, when she was young, she loved to dance and just twirl around the room. So no matter what the subject was, she was dancing all over the place and I'd ask her a question and she'd twirl and, and give me an answer and leap here and there and, and then give me another answer. And it worked. So I didn't make her sit at a chair, sit on a chair because it was working. If it was ever going to be distracting, then I'd make her sit down. Serena, I love what you just said and I would love to meet your daughter because what you described now is basically me. <laughs> and it's interesting because I, I have an identical twin sister. And our learning ability, but also preference is quite similar. Mm-hmm. But there were certain things like she would, uh, she wanted to learn and read as many times as she needed you know, before she was ready to discuss it. For me, I was almost like I was reading a little bit to get the idea. And then I just wanted to discuss it with <laughs> her. And I remember always, always, and, of, and now this is... Uh, 
you know, after school, this is homework, but we were always doing homework together. But I would be the person who would like stand up, dance, because also I love to dance and I love to move. And I would like start talking and she would always say, wait a minute, I need to read it again. You know, which is, <laughs> but it's interesting, even like identical twins, we are so like, you know, different in our preferences. And um, again, as we like to read or to move or to talk about things. So I think what you described is very much my style. But again, at home, I could do it. But at, at school, I had to sit down and be very quiet. Right. Well, it's funny you should say that I have a fraternal twin sister and we had some similar styles. We always studied together as well. But we also had little differences like she'd like the radio on and I'd like it quiet you know, to be able to think more. Uh, yeah, my older sister, I have another uh, two years older. She's a math teacher. She always studied, always with the radio on. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny, right? You know, it, well, it's, it's uh, interesting how different we are and how our brain uh, functions or gets activated. Right. Now I want to talk a little bit to understand. Again, I'm very curious about uh, homeschooling and... Uh, I wish I had, uh, we, ha we had this conversation like 40 years ago, or my mom knew about this because I don't think in Greece 40 plus years ago, anyone knew about what homeschooling is. And probably they would think that if you don't go to school, you know, like your learning is basically does not exist. But again, different um, many years ago and different situation. Is there a need for what I call order? or some kind of structure during homeschooling? Um, yes, definitely, definitely. I actually advise people who are starting homeschooling to keep a really good structure going, like start at the same time every day, do the subjects in the same order every day, because the kids have to adjust to having school at home as well. If they're young and like my daughter, started in kindergarten, then that's all the schooling that she knew, other than going to church class or something like that. But that's a little bit, that's more informal. That's not the academics. But um, even kids who have gone to a school and their parents decide to start homeschooling, they still need that structure because they want to know what to expect. And that makes kids feel safe and secure if they know what they, what to expect. And what happens if uh, one day they say, well, I don't feel like uh, reading or writing or studying? What do you do? How do you respond to that? I say, well, that's life. <laughs> you have to anyways. You know, one day they're going to be adults working a job. And if they don't feel like getting up and going into work, they're still going to have to, or they're not going to have a job anymore. Unless they have some kind of work at home program, right? You still have to um, meet the expectations. Now with homeschooling, you still can be flexible. The kids can do school in their pajamas. They can do schoolwork. Uh, we used to put these little mini pup tents up in the living room and the kids would fill them with toys and books and dolls, whatever they want. And they'd hide in there and do their subjects and they'd pop out and ask me questions. That worked. We used to sit um, out on the back porch under the umbrella or on the front porch. Um, sometimes we'd take some books like to a park or something and do some schoolwork. You could do it wherever you want. So you can choose the environment, the surroundings, uh, you know, the let's say the 
preferred environment that you like, but they can't, they work, they need to do their work. They need to do their, their study and they, they will engage in the activities. Right. So I recommend having it at home in a, like maybe a set room um, and having good solid structure for a while, at least a few weeks or a month or so till you have the hang of it as the parent and the kids have the hang of it as well. And then if you have interruptions or things happen, then you, you can still go back to your structure. And once it's pretty solid and everyone is in the flow of homeschooling, knowing, okay, this is how it goes and this is what we're going to do, then you can do um, different things, introduce um, some fun stuff to change up a day. Can you give us an example of what a fun activity would be? Um, sure, like uh, just going to the beach for the afternoon or spending um, some of your time at a zoo, uh, going to the library, having time at a restaurant, you know, popping out for hot chocolate at a cafe or something. One year, my daughter, uh, my son was quite young and um, on her studies. So I wrote out her sub, all her, her subjects and the lessons for that week, Monday through Friday. And I gave her a challenge and said, if you can finish these by Thursday, then we will have um, a fun day on Friday. It'll be a field trip Friday. For an entire school year, she did it. And so she could do the subjects, all the lessons in any order that she wanted. And I was there to help her out with any of them she needed help with. And I checked all of her work. And on Fridays, we wouldn't sit down to do school with the books and all, we'd uh, go off to the park or we'd go to the lake and go swimming or whatever we wanted. I like that because I like the work and the order. And then I like like uh, the flexibility that we can engage in a fun activity and that she has the choice and she can, uh, you know, act accordingly or as she wants to, you know, to, to do so she can actually engage in this activity. I like that. Right. I like the self-directed uh, kind of uh, learning and other things we do because like deciding like what options to explore, when to sit down to do either our homework or our work versus, you know, other things we do for fun. And I, I like the ability to learn to do this and make choices early on because the old, you know, when we become adults, we know the process of how to make the decisions. Right. Because if I think of uh, now, like uh, Sharon, if I think of, um, so I was educated in a, in a traditional, you know, public school. And then I became an employee in a corporation. So, you know, basically from one system, the traditional educational system, I joined the corporation system. These are all big systems that they are very well organized to run the way they run. But now when I think of homeschooling and when you describe the way your daughter and your son are learning, but also are engaging in other activities. So there is flexibility around their day. It makes me think of what I do now as a freelancer. I'm not an employee anymore, but I, I plan my work and I plan my day. And also what I call the relaxing activities, the fun activities and all the other things that I do when my work is completed. It's almost like during homeschooling, you are building skills, the kids are building skills to be able uh, like to um, act maybe as more flexible workers or flexible employees or even freelancers. Does this make sense? 
Yes. And they also are able to become independent, um, maybe sooner rather than later. Like even um, um, fifth and sixth grade, the kids can start to go do the work on their own. If it's a lesson that you know they're comfortable with and a subject that they're moving along easily on their own with, you can say, yeah, go do chapter 50 or 20 or whatever and tell me when you're done. And then um, that would give them some space by themselves for 20, 30 minutes or however long it would take. And if they get stuck, they'd come and ask me, hey, mom, can you help with this? Otherwise, I'd just check it. The nice thing, too, about homeschooling is there's usually not homework because you have the whole day focused on your one or two kids. Well, in my case, I know a lot of families have more kids than that. But because of that, the homework can get folded into the actual schoolwork. So you can do all of it in one sitting, like all of the science lesson in one sitting. So they don't have homework Mm -hmm. to do when you're done. When you're done, you're done. Sometimes um, my kids would finish school at like 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and they'd start at um, 8.30 or so. And what do they do the rest of their day? Oh, they play, they have fun. They look into stuff like building a vacuum chamber, things that they're more interested in. Um, we've always had them read books, fiction, or some bibliographies of famous people. So they'd do that. Um, we then, if we had a full day like that, they could go with me on errands or we could spend some time at the swimming pool or go to the park, just do extra activities that we wouldn't be able to if they were in school for the day. Of course. Okay. So if I'm a parent listening to the conversation and I can see that there are a lot of benefits for my kid to learn, you know, customize their learning, spend less time doing homework and having some more fun and creative activities. So I understand that there are very, a lot of benefits, but how do I know if that's the best option for my child and my family? And most importantly, as a parent, how do I know that I can fulfill the responsibilities? Like, and if I'm uh, I'm equipped with the skills to do what a homeschooling parent would do. Right. Well, you have to be prepared to be able to spend the time with your child. You have to want to and be able to keep them on track. When my kids were in kindergarten, like I said, the actual school time was about 20 minutes or the desk time. So that was very easy. But then even changing into first grade, three hours is a little bit longer. And it took me some prep time for some of the subjects, like to do arts and crafts or even the history lessons had arts and crafts with it. So I'd have to make sure I had construction paper, crayons, different things, and do a little bit of prep. And each year as you go up in age and grades, the schoolwork gets longer because you're learning more information. So you have to know that you can be there for your child. It becomes sort of a part-time job and it it goes into a full-time job of teaching your child just because the amount of time involved. Okay, so that I think that's, that's a very important uh, point that uh, basically we're talking about a major commitment that the parent who is, you know, responsible for the homeschooling 
in terms of getting you know all the learning material the the curriculum the resources to basically structure the learning experience for the day and for the week right in terms of resources where do we find these resources if i decide uh, let's say i'm listening to you Sharon, now and I'm, i have a kid that that sounds like your daughter and i'm interested in that and i have time to actually uh, prioritize her learning like i can do that Where do I find the curriculum? Where do I find the resources to start with my daughter? Let's say my daughter is now second grade. Um, there's curriculum all over the internet. There's hundreds and hundreds, probably even thousands of curriculum that you can look into. So I would um, Google homeschool curriculum and then read different ones and decide which you would prefer. And try and talk to some homeschoolers and ask which uh, curriculum that they used and try just try them out. Mm-hmm. How do you find uh, these, I guess, organized communities, homeschooling communities or co-op? How do you find them? Again, you just uh, would Google homeschool co-ops because there's several. Okay. And uh, we've lived in like three different states with the kids and they're all over. Some are very large, some are quite small, but you can plug into them. And they go for all ages, from uh, preschool and kindergarten, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school. So it's just a matter of looking uh, around in your area. There, I recommend homeschool co-ops. I'd recommend only doing one at a time, at least initially, because it is a little bit of a time commitment. The majority of them are run off of volunteer hours. So if your child's in the co-op, then you're required to volunteer a couple of hours each semester or throughout the school year to help out to make it run. Okay. Do they spend, when they when they have the co-op activities, do they spend uh, time, this is now outside of the house with other kids? What kind of activities are they involved in? Right. Well, it depends on the co-op. The ones that we've been involved in have offered classes of all different sorts. Some are uh, PE classes. Um, I helped teach a gymnastics class with a friend of mine at one co-op. Most of them are academics, academic classes. Some co-ops, like especially the high school ones in the area we're at, you could literally enroll your high schooler in all of the co-op classes and they could have a full load of their subjects taught by homeschool teachers. The co-ops usually meet at churches because the churches are big buildings and they have enough classrooms to accommodate kids. Yes. And how often are they involved in the co-op activities? Um, For the younger grades, for the elementary and middle school grades, it's usually once a week. Uh, For high Mm -hmm. school grades, it could be twice a week or the classes could be maybe three times a week. It just depends on the homeschool and how they've set it up. And are these co-ops like uh, required by the state, like as a part of the homeschooling, or is it more voluntarily because you like to engage with others and learn and support each other? No, it's all volunteer. It's all what you choose to do as a family. The state cannot tell you that. The state can't even tell you what curriculum to use. That's your choice. They can't tell you even what order of things to teach your child. Um, Like maybe 
you want to start in on world history and teach that for a couple of years before you teach American history, or maybe you want to flip that. Maybe you want to teach biology before you teach geology. <laughs> so it's up to the parent. Beautiful. I love that. I, I wish I had that. I would like to have choices, you know, like based on my preferences and interests. Right. Okay. But how does, you talked about that there is a requirements like um, that the state uh, is checking to make sure that homeschooling, I guess, is meeting the requirements. What are these kind of requirements? What do they check? Well, every state has different requirements as to homeschoolers have to do standardized testing. A couple of states that we've lived in, the children have to test every year in the spring. Um, one state we lived in, they didn't have to start testing till third grade, and then it was every other year. So the um, standardized tests can test uh, reading and comprehension and uh, math skills. They can't test you on uh, science or history because, or social studies because you can um, teach your kids those at any point in their school career that you want. So some kids might be equipped to answer like questions on American history when other kids haven't gotten there yet. So they do the basics, the reading and writing and math and the comprehension. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you for explaining all that. I can understand that also as a parent, you know, uh, if they're considering that, they will also want to know what is required. Right. And you have to look into your state laws to know. Like in California, you have to, uh, even different parts of California have slightly different laws. And you have to know when to start uh, some States require that you keep track of the hours or the curriculum that they do. Most states have a letter of intention to homeschool, or it's called different things in different states. But you have to declare your intent before the school year starts. And the majority of homeschoolers that we've known have all tested out well above their grade level. That's really common. And when you think on it, it makes sense because the kids are getting such individualized education that they can just move on ahead and, you know, advance at their own pace, which is quicker than waiting for 15 or 20 kids in a class. Of course. What other kind of, I guess, uh, statistics or any other word, the homeschoolers, uh, I guess, perform better than a kid that went to a public school? Well, I've looked into that and they've had studies that try to say the homeschoolers have done better, but there hasn't been anything really definitive, like a very a good scientific baseline. Because the studies that I saw that said the homeschoolers did better than the public schoolers also said it was um, volunteer voluntary to submit, you know, how your child was doing and stuff. It seemed more subjective. Mm-hmm. So I think kids in public school and kids in homeschool and kids in private school can all do exceedingly great things. They can all learn really well. It's just a matter of the speed that you can do it in and the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Did uh, your daughter or son ever ask you why they are not in, uh, I guess, the other school or the regular school? Did they ever wonder? Um, no, we were just open and talked to them about it. And we talked to them about what it's like in school. Uh, I went to a private school all my life and my husband went to public school all his life. So we just told them we could answer them, answer what it's like. But 
they enjoyed the homeschooling a lot. And they realized talking to neighbors and friends that they would have been stuck. Like both of my kids skipped first grade reading and both of my kids skipped second grade math. They had already gotten it. So we just moved on to the next grade level. So if my daughter realized early on, if she was to enter a public school and be with the neighbors, she'd be really bored because she'd already done most of the work. So, you know, it'd be a big repeat for her. Yeah, of course. That's, again, you're you are reminding me of a lot of my personal experiences. Uh, and it's, it's very clear, like the flexibility, again, to personalize and customize it. A different question now, Sharon. Over the last 15 years that you've been homeschooling uh, your kids, what has been the biggest challenge for you? Um, for me personally is to keep up with my kids <laughs> because they're they're very bright and they want to explore so many different things and they would get bored easily. So my challenge would be to be able to challenge them. So it was a challenge for me. I couldn't just kind of go along. I had to, um, I guess, keep a good tabs on what their their learning styles and what they were learning and help move them ahead as needed so they wouldn't be stuck in a rut. What about uh, your time? Because you are, again, devoting a lot of time, not only being a mom and a parent, but also a homeschooling mom. Were you able to find enough time for, I guess, yourself and the other interests that you may have or any other kind of work you may be involved in? Oh, sure. Like, uh, you know, I've made friends in co-ops. So there's time while your child's in a co-op class to be able to chat with the other parents. And it's other parents who have also chosen to homeschool. So they understand your approach to life, so to speak. Um, I get up early mm -hmm. in the morning and go work out and have fun. I've been, I love to run. I've done triathlons and lots of running races. So those are on the weekends. I can still do that. We have evenings where I go um, meet with um, maybe at a Bible study or go meet with some other moms and just have a mom's night out or go meet people for coffee in the morning sometimes. So it's still flexible for me, but my kids are also older. They don't need as much uh, direct hands-on as they do when they're younger. Mm -hmm. Very good. A little bit of a challenging question. What can go wrong with homeschooling? When does homeschooling not work? I think what I've seen is it doesn't work if the parent does not take it seriously and they make homeschooling just another thing on their to-do list. We had one friend with three kids and all the best intentions, and she decided she'd start uh, the homeschool day at like 9 a.m. And it went well for about two weeks. But after that, at 9 a.m., she decided she needed to uh, check email or she'd have to run off to the grocery store, she needed to chat with her friends and homeschooling would come later and later and later until it wound up she was doing um, all the things she wanted to do and she felt she needed to do except for sitting down with the kids. And all of them fell behind about a grade, grade and a half because she wasn't schooling them anymore. She wasn't teaching them at all. So they were kind of left on their own just to figure out what to do. So they certainly didn't sit down with a textbook and say, I'm going to learn this. Um, so they fell behind and her and her mm -hmm. husband decided after a year, um, about a year, year and a half, that they should put their kids in public school. Mm 
And it took them a little while, but they were all able to catch up with their grade level. But that was just a fact, that was just a, a case of the mom not making it important enough to make sure it got done every day. Yeah, so it's priority and also something you, you shared with us earlier about having order, having, you know, certain things start at certain time. So there is order than the kids and the moms. Like, so, the, I mean, both are, are getting used to right. So it becomes a, a daily practice. Right. And with anything you do every day and practice all the time, it does get easier. Yeah. I mean, again, when I think of my... Again, my education, my work, my work now, order and um, structure in a good way. I call it practice. It's basically a practice. There are certain things that I do and it just becomes part of my routine, part of my day. You know, as I move along my day, I, I complete different kinds of uh, activities and uh, that's how my day is structured. And I think this kind of order just makes it easier. Exactly what you said, right. Sarah. A little different question now. So over, again, you have 15 years of experience uh, homeschooling. And also you had, before that, you had your own education and learning experience. Are there specific skills or abilities you have that have helped you to become a, an effective homeschooling parent? I think basically a love for my kids and the value of their education and my husband and I coming together and wanting what's best for them and being able to make it a priority. You don't have to be a teacher to be able to homeschool your kids. Well, my kids thought I was brilliant because all the answers are in the teacher book. <laughs> so if I didn't personally know something <laughs> I could look at, Oh, that's right. You got it. <laughs> what you just said with us now is perfect. Again, I'm thinking of parents that they may feel inadequate. Uh, they are lacking knowledge or skills or other things, you know, to be able to to help their kids. But I think what you explained, Sharon, is exactly, yeah, you shine light on that now very in a very beautiful way. Thank you. Well, when my daughter got to high school and she was taking different maths, I figured I would go ahead and do the math problems with her so that I could just keep my brain going. So we did algebra and geometry and we got to geometry and it wasn't necessarily my favorite subject. And sometimes we'd get to these problems and say, well, I don't know what to do. What do you think? <laughs> and she'd say, I don't know. So we'd Google it or, you know, we'd get online and you could find all kinds of math help sites and we'd figure out how to do the problems. Because at that point, the teacher's book showed you the answer and showed you some of the steps on how to get to the answer, but not necessarily every single step. So sometimes we'd get stuck. But then we just, you know, go online and, and see where we could find the help. Yeah. Again, another beautiful example for like self-directed learning and also problem solving. Because a big thing, like a one skill that the sooner we learn or the earlier we learn, the better we are is, again, if we, can, if we don't know the answer, how can we find it? in a different way than going to an expert and asking for the answer, because that's what a lot of teachers, you know, often do or experts. Right. But because you did, because you did not know the answer, you basically took, uh, you know, took them to on a journey to learn how to find the answer, which is today the way that uh, resources and knowledge is available. We don't need to know necessarily every, you know, every piece of information, but we need to know how to find right. it. Right. And that's often what co-ops are for as well. 
like my daughter took a chemistry class at a co-op and I was so thrilled for that to happen because the chemistry teacher had all manner of equipment to be able to do labs every single week with the kids. And I didn't have to go out and buy all the equipment. So, and plus the teacher was, um, taught chemistry every year and that was her thing. So she was really well versed at it where, um, it wasn't necessarily one of my strengths. So by putting my daughter in a co-op class, she had all the opportunity, a better opportunity than learning from me was something I didn't know. But when the kids are real young, like elementary school, um, it's pretty easy to answer the questions that they have or to help them along with their subjects. And like I said, if you don't know the answer, just open the teacher book and then there's the answer. <laughs> what I like about what you, you know, this beautiful example is that what you don't know, either you find it, you know, uh, by Google or uh, in any other, you know, online resource. But also I like the the idea of the co-op, which is basically you you leverage resources and expertise from others so that you don't have to do everything, you know, alone or you don't have to take full responsibility, especially if you lack knowledge or expertise or skills in one area. But you can engage through the co-op and the community and, and get the best resources for your children. Right. Beautiful. And I, again, I, I love the flexibility of all that. So if I think of my mom, my mom uh, graduated from uh, elementary school. She did not continue. They could not afford it back in the days. And whatever basically we were asking her and she didn't know, and a lot of that she didn't know, she was basically bringing us books from the library because that was the resource that was available back then. She also bought the encyclopedia for us. Again, another kind of resource that 40 years ago was available. But we did not have other resources, be it online resources, you know, YouTube videos, co-op, this kind of uh, plethora of resources that are available today to really customize uh, learning, but also bring the best to your children. Right. And also create different kind of project activities like the chamber, you know, like creative projects and things that you can actually build. And that's something anybody can build by, you know, starting with some ideas. There is so much information today available. I don't think there is an excuse to say, I don't know how to do it. We can all search and find it, you know, one way or another. Right. Beautiful. So is there any piece of advice if someone is starting today? you know, uh, the homeschooling experience. Is there one piece of advice or suggestion you would like to offer to them? Um, just give yourself a lot of grace. It's a learning experience for the parent as well as for the kids. And you have to um, just learn as you go. Another great answer. Thank you. <laughs> so we are all learning. It's a learning journey. It's an experience. Yes. What is uh, one thing you would like to leave your mark on within your lifetime? Oh, just helping other parents and helping kids to know that they can explore all kinds of possibilities and the world is open to them. There's no stupid people or, you know, kids aren't stupid. They just need um, a little extra help in some areas, but anybody can do anything that they set their heart to do. And I know uh, you are writing a book to actually offer some resources and help parents who are starting. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yes, it's geared towards people who want to start homeschooling, who've never done it before, and to take them through it. 
as if I were sitting across from them, having a coffee or tea with them and answering their questions as they go. I'm offering it on my website, um, essentialsofhomeschooling.com, as soon as I've finished preparing it. Very good. And the, the website you mentioned is the one that the, the listeners can also find out more about you and also learn from you, right? Yes. Beautiful. We've talked about a lot of things, Sharon, and thank you so much for answering all my questions. Is there any topic that we did not have the chance and you would like to share with us? Um, possibly that homeschooling is more than books. It's also the family dynamics. It's uh, the attitude of the parents. They need to be self-aware of maybe their weaknesses or bad habits because they might be exacerbated in a homeschool setting. It's just you and your kids. And homeschooling is a great way to build character into your kids. You can build up their confidence and help them be more resilient, uh, get more grit in their lives, which are all things that can be learned. Um, more optimism so that they can have positive attitudes toward life and toward their own abilities. So homeschool is great for that. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation and I appreciate uh, everything I learned from you. Uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your experience with us. And uh, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was nice being here. Thanks for listening. What I learned from my discussion with Sharon Hancock is that homeschooling empowers kids to explore their interests. It launches creative ideas into an explosion of possibilities. And it is a way to invest in our children's well-being and worldview. I could not help but think about how my life and work would be today if I had not been through the traditional education system. What if I had access to personalized learning and advanced development opportunities outside of the classroom and the library? If you enjoy Impact Learning, please share it with a friend and consider subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes. And remember, we can talk about learning, we can design it, or we can do both. This is Impact Learning. I'm your host, Maria Zenidou. Till next time.